Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. And welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We are joined by Brandon Roberts, who very inter- well, two very interesting things. First, a professional baseball player in his 20s. Um, but perhaps more interesting even than that for this audience is the fact that Brandon has come all the way from being an FDR up through management and now shifting into operations for MindBody over the past eight years. So we're going to have someone who has that experience coming right right the way through the sales system. Um, Brandon, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Uh, so can we kick off about understanding how you, you managed to get into sales operations from the FDR and then the management kind of flow? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as, as you mentioned, I started, I actually started as a part-time SDR uh, back in the day. Uh, just cold calling, making thousands of calls. I uh, worked my way up through sales, um, sales being an individual contributor, account executive, sales rep, um, then got into management. So, and then I spent a couple different uh, stints managing an SDR team and then managing an account executive team. And that's that's really where I started realizing that my analytical strengths were were what were setting me apart and making me successful as a sales manager. And so I started really getting a reputation for that at that time. Then I got the opportunity to run the the SDR organization, director of SDR there. And that's, you know, in my opinion, naturally some some very operational minded people need to be in that role, uh, you know, because you're you're looking at the pipeline from the top top of the pipeline down and processing systems are big. And um, so that naturally led me to a little bit of a slow roll into running operations. I was doing both a little bit at, at a period of time and then and then ultimately exclusively sales operations. So that's uh, that's how it happened for me. Got it. So as you were in that director manager role, you saw that your strengths were more analytical and therefore this role could potentially be better suited to those strengths. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I found myself thinking how how do we hit our revenue targets sustainably? How do we put in processes and systems and just repeatable, scalable uh, methods to where we can, you know, hit the number month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. 
And that's really why, uh, where the SVP at the time, uh, you know, wanted to put me over over sales operations uh, because of because of those strengths. And what was the department prior to you moving over, or were you the first person? Yeah, but it it definitely evolved. Um, you know, I think back to when I started, and it was basically a Salesforce admin, right, back in 2011 or whatever uh, year that was. And, you know, it grew and it was very light. But at the time, we did have a VP of sales ops. And so, um, you know, I was reporting to him when I was the director of SDRs at the time. And then it was just a natural transition. Got it. And right now, approximately how many reps do we have versus people in that operations team? Um, Probably, are you talking sales ops or enablement or anything like that? Uh, ops and enablement. I would probably say it's uh, plus or minus fifty to a couple hundred. Cool. In in ops and enablement. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then approximately how many reps are you guys supporting? A couple hundred. Got it. Okay. Cool. Um, and then now moving on to the current tech stack that you guys are using. Yeah. So we have Salesforce uh, in house. We've had that in house for. Um, you know, quite a long time, obviously, and that's our powerhouse CRM. Um, we use Outreach and we use NC Squared for distribution, Eloqua uh, for top of the pipeline. Um, so we've used a couple different tools for data augmentation. We've we've tested quite a few of those uh, from Radius to Zoom Info. Um, so those are those are definitely important. Cool, and then. Is your team, the sales ops team, responsible for ensuring data quality inside Salesforce? Yeah, we do that uh, quite often. Uh, we do um, one-off merges. We have we have duplicates in our in our system because of uh, the nature of our prospects are are pretty small businesses. So we've got a team that that does that. We've got a team that does mass mass merges and data quality. Um, and and really, the most important thing, at, in my opinion, is putting the ownership on the sales reps themselves. You know, because they have their territories, they have their funnels, and really, the more we can put ownership on them to um, empower them to own their data and own their funnel and and keep things clean for themselves, uh, the better off we're going to be. Uh, that's that's uh, you know sometimes more effective than running mass uh, data enhancements. How do you like? I, I totally agree, but how do you actually get reps to own the data quality? Yeah, part part by under, uh, helping them understand how it benefits them, and so really, the longer they have uh, their territory or their funnel where they they understand that that's their um, their source of income and they take pride in that, um, that's one way. And then the other way is uh, simply to require certain fields at certain um, uh, stages of lead statuses and um, opportunity stages and. And get a little bit more rigorous on on what we're putting in the system, and if they want to uh, move something down the pipeline or to a different lead stage, you know, we require just different pieces of information along the way. Got to constraining that data input, so they have to kind of comply by their rules if they're going to push someone through the process. Yeah, and you you run the the uh, risk of somebody putting in fake data at that point. Uh, but realistically, we just have to, you know, that's accountability and culture of the sales team of making sure that they're doing what's right for the business and and putting in the information at certain times. And then we we partner with them to make sure that 
Uh, we're acquiring the right things at the right time. So at this point in, in a lead status or in a sales stage, you should have this information if you're following our sales process. Yes. Okay, great. You have that partnership and then you have that buy-in. Um, so it makes sense. If we were acquiring something completely ridiculous at the top of the pipeline, then we would probably be more inclined to have some more fake data. Um, so it's really a partnership and everything we do in, in Salesforce is partnership with sales leadership. Nice. Um, is there anything else you guys are doing to kind of get salespeople more bought into the stuff that you want them to do? Like you, you mentioned here, uh, make them understand how if how they win by doing this, how they make more commission. But is there anything else that you do, like any gamification or any other strategies to form that partnership and to get them to do the things they need to do? Yeah, I think it's it's really mainly just. Um, the two big things. So the why for the company, first and foremost, I mean, really, if we have a, a great culture and we've got great people in the seats, they understand that their job is to you know, support the business and make the business as, as successful as possible. So first and foremost, understanding why the business needs it. Um, and then no, number two is, is why they need it. So why it actually helps them and their pocketbook and help them uh, manage their pipeline or or generate more income. Um, and so I would say it's it's twofold for those. And it's it's why and why. Why is it helping the business and why is it helping helping ourselves? Got it. Um, and then moving back to your well, probably now and when you you were running the whole SDR function, do you have any tips for onboarding SDRs? I assume you you went through a pretty high volume of SDRs there. What what changes did you make to the onboarding process that had a big impact? Yeah. Um, you definitely need to make sure you have product in there. Um, I think a lot of organizations think that they want to avoid product so that they're not overqualifying. Um, but product, sales acumen, and then systems is typically um, underrepresented in, in onboarding programs. Um, you know, there's probably minimal systems update, and then they basically get the rest of the training from tribal knowledge with uh, the rest of the group. So having a real real focused effort on how to use Salesforce, how to use other tools, how to follow the process, what to do when, where to get data, um, those types of things is such a such a massive part of their role now, especially um, you know, this day and age, that that needs to be a significant portion of of onboarding them so that they can be successful. What did you what did you expect for the ramp time on a new SDR? Yeah, for SDRs, we expect it to be pretty quick. It's it's just a couple of months. Um, you know, we have a we have a transactional uh, situation. It's not um, a, a majority, uh, a small small majority of our business is is enterprise, and so a lot of it's transactional. So they can get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, just a couple of months, and they sh- they can be getting some demos in front of the account executives there, and a majority of their. Uh, of their uh, bonus and commission is on demos um, booked and, and assigned. And so, so really we're not waiting for that full sales cycle for those SDRs. So we want to get them ramped pretty quickly. What's the approximate ACV just so just a range, just so we know what kind of what we're dealing with. Well, again, um, it, it, it ranges so drastically between SMB mid market and, um, and enterprise, but um but the SMB side is mainly what I'm kind of speaking of right now, and that's within that's around the five thousand. Got it. Cool. Um, okay. Is there anything that you guys are doing right now to make 
SDLs and AEs uh, more productive? Yeah, so what we like to focus on is, is enhancing their selling activities. So we look at uh, non-core activities and selling activities, and we, we really want to optimize the amount of time they can spend on selling activities, which are calls, demos, following up with prospects, emails, et cetera. And so the way we do that is, is to try to minimize the amount of time that they have to spend on those internal non-core selling activities by automating systems, by putting some streamlined processes in place, by augmenting data as much as possible. And you know, we, we analyze our, our department ever so often where we say, how much time are they spending on these, these tasks that are bogging them down? And then how much time are they spending on the phone calling, emailing. Um, and so, you know, we, we measure that every once in a while. And then we basically put our initiatives together and say, okay, how can we reduce uh, these internal non-core selling activities as much as we possibly can? And by reducing those as much as we possibly can, we're, we're essentially freeing up our sales reps to do not only what's more valuable for the company, um, but what, what they like to do as well and what's going to make their job satisfaction go up because they, they get to do things that they love doing. Um, so that's, that's one of the main things that we do, you know, in, in sales operations, we're focused on the, the efficiency side of the equation, you know, efficiency and effectiveness really drives sales productivity. Um, so any way we can drive efficiencies in the motion and make it faster for them to move um, is, is going to drive productivity for us. Can you one small thing you tweaked to that has boost, boosted enhancing selling activity? Yeah, yeah. So uh, data augmentation is 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 uh, definitely one example of that. And so you know, uh, a couple a couple of years ago, even we we ran the analysis and we found that was one of our bigger opportunities. Is reps were spending a lot of time finding more information off of websites and trying to gather uh, qualifying information on the prospects, and so. Um, so that was one, one area where we were able to, you know, plug in certain tools and get that data ahead of time. And that reduced the amount of time that they had to spend sourcing and researching and finding, finding that information and, uh, freedom up to make more calls. Got it. Um, can we quickly talk about the forecasting process? Is that, does that fit within under you? Are you responsible for producing the forecast? Yeah, it's it's a partnership, right? Because uh, sales leadership is ultimately accountable for that. Um, so we we create the process for it, and we create the structure, and um, and then the sales leadership uh, on a weekly basis just uh, needs to update their forecast and make sure that they're uh, you know within a decent variance, you know, every single month, and they're understanding what the pipeline looks like, et cetera. So so I would call that I wouldn't say you know we we own forecasting. Um, but we definitely enable it and we set the structure up for it and we make sure the system can um, can accommodate that and and uh, we manage it. And then the sales leadership is is ultimately accountable for that and telling us what they're going to do and what their sellers are going to do. And then obviously ultimately hitting that. Got it. So you, do you have like a weekly meeting where you where you would bring the numbers and then the sales managers and leaders would come in and be like, actually, no, I think that's a bit high. We're probably not going to close that one. Is, is that the process? Yep, that's ab- absolutely right. So there's a couple different uh, methods for it. And we pull the actuals. We say, okay, here's where we're at. And this is where we would be trending. But what are you seeing on the floor? What are you seeing from talking to your sellers, from your sellers, uh, you know, forecast meetings rolled up to you? 
um, what fluctuations in seasonality are we not seeing or whatever the case may be, what big deals are coming through, you name it. So a little bit of science on, on our side to see you know, what, what actuals have come in already and what we see, and then a little bit of art on their side uh, based on what they know of over the last couple of years, what they've experienced, and the conversations they're having with um, account executives, managers, and their prospects. Just is kind of out of my interest. Say a sales manager who has five AEs and twenty SCRs. How many ops is he going to have to try and review in the week to say yes, that's accurate or not? Approximately, like because so to me that could be like a hundred opportunities, right, at this price point. And so then, how does if I, I've never been a sales manager, but mm-hmm. would I then go and sit with every one of my reps to understand? every opportunity or do you, do you know how, how they do that? Yeah. Uh, no, you're, sp- you're spot on there and in more transactional, it's not going to be a review of every single one of those. Um, so it's a mix of reviewing those top ones uh, that we think are, are going to close that are getting closer in the pipeline. And then a mix of historical trends and, and what we're expecting to come in uh, through, through the marketing funnel and our SDR, et cetera. So it's really a, it's really a balance of both, and it's a it's a balancing act, you know, forecasting, especially when it gets a little bit more transactional. Got it. And then we mentioned a little bit on that. Do you have separate kind of FDR teams that take just inbound stuff versus um, separate family? Yeah, we've gone you know we've gone back and forth on that over the over the last couple of years. Um, you know, we've gone full outbound, we've gone full inbound, we've gone mix, uh, we've gone different um, different types of leads and stuff like that. Uh, so we do have a we do have a focused uh, inbound unit that focuses on uh, conversion rates of those, and then an outbound team that's supporting the account executive in the field in their in their territories and their funnels. Got it. And is the uh, commission structure the same for the inbound versus the outbound? Well, it's. Um, it's yes, it's approximately the same, but obviously the the targets are are much different. Got it, awesome. Um, and then final kind of sales off question is KPIs that we're tracking. Or I know actually I'll I'll reverse this through your eight years at MindBody, which has been the most insightful sales related KPI that you've used. Yeah, I would say my my favorite KPI is is really a, a lagging KPI. And it's the number of, uh, it's the percentage of reps that are hitting quota. And the reason I like that one is because I like to, uh, we like to keep a pulse on the culture of the sales department, um, whether or not it, it's healthy or not healthy, depending on how many people are hitting their quota and how many people are not hitting their quota and whether or not they're, they're feeling successful and they're celebrating and hitting the gong all, all day long or or if, uh, or if the targets are too high. And so that, that's one that really gives me a measurement of not only the, how, much, how uh, effective our sellers are, but how happy they are, uh, you know, because we, you really want a culture that, that can win and wins often and, and is really happy and high fives each other all day long. So I, that, that's my favorite, uh, just, to, just to keep a pulse on that, because I want to make sure everybody's successful, everybody's winning, everybody's doing a good job. we've never had anybody come in and say i like this metric because it's it it ensures that i know that the culture and that people are having fun and that people are enjoying their job is normally people are answering and just saying i like this metric that tells me if they're performing or not right so that's a really interesting 
angle. Um, final question, who has kind of given you the most knowledge throughout your eight-year career at, at MindBody? Yeah, I would say, you know, coming from individual contributor sales to sales management and transitioning over to ops, it was a big um, competency jump for me to learn everything ops as much as I possibly could. Obviously, I had a lot of it from sales management. Um, but, you know, there's really two that stick out. My, my current boss right now, Jeff Wadham, he's, a, he's an ops master. Um, you know, he's got tons of, of years of experience in sales ops, revenue ops. And so he's, he's a great mentor for me. And I'm, I'm lucky to be able to learn from him. And then, uh, you know, prior to him, uh, Hillary Headley, she's, she's moved on. She's the uh, head of ops at Zoom, but she, she helped increase my competencies and motivate me and, and helped uh, teach me everything that she possibly could about sales ops and, and helped me get where I am. So I would say those two, I'm super lucky to have been worked for, for both of them. And it's been exciting. It's been fun. Um, and I've just learned a ton. Fantastic. Um, now, let me tell you what I've learned from this interview. Yeah. Uh, the thing I picked out. Um, you said this right at the start, and it's quite interesting. Um, in that revenue targets, you don't just need to hit them, but they need to be sustainable. And so I thought that was quite interesting. Um, understand, like getting reps to own their own data quality, and you do that by explaining that actually, yes, this is good for the company as well as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Enhancing selling activity is pretty obvious, but not everyone comes up with that. Um, and then the final point about uh, trying to understand not just whether reps are performing, but also the culture and whether people are happy in the team by measuring the percentage of them hitting quota. Um, so, Brandon, thank you so much for your time. That was super insightful. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.